And we're back. Part two. Yes. So, at the end of this uh, of this discussion, we will learn whether Macron wears fake hair. Yes, it's still the most pressing question. But where we left, uh, Macron had been elected president. He had managed to get uh, a strong majority uh, elected in parliament. So he's very happy. And then uh, how did it uh, go wrong from here? So the, um, so the first thing I would like to start with is labels. Who? Uh, because something very important I'm going to call uh, President... Labels? Yes, labels, political labels. So mm -hmm. I'm going to be calling Macron a neoliberal. And, and mm. I'll explain why I'll make the argument for that. But because quite a lot, especially of Macronists, want to dub him a social liberal, uh, which, which I think... Um, which I think is not accurate because the principle of social liberalism, liberalism, broadly speaking, would be to uh, to compensate the negative effects of capitalism by state redistribution. In that uh, taxation, uh, taxation enabling uh, a strong healthcare system and a strong uh, public education system that is uh, that is tax funded and and ensure a decent quality of living. Um, for for everyone for everybody, but um, but in France, as we discussed last time, the educational system and the healthcare system has been under constant pressure and budget cuts. So, so their their protective role is not guaranteed by the state anymore, and um, and the Macronist politics has mostly been about uh, supporting the private sector and especially supporting the private sector profits with the idea that uh, that this is the the new state role under neoliberal under neoliberalism enabling the private sector as much as possible so for me this is a neoliberal policy and that's why i think uh, the label that should be ascribed to macron's policy is very much neoliberal okay I can I can buy into that, <laughs> uh, especially because if I remember correctly, one of the first things that happened uh, during Macron's tenure, first tenure, was a, a tax cut to the to the to the uber rich. Yes, exactly. So Macron actually has been nicknamed the president of the ultra rich, and and this is quite justified. So one of his. Um, uh, first and biggest policies was actually uh, a taxation law, so which um, which um, uh, deleted uh, the highest uh, the highest tax on uh, on rich people that had been established by the socialists back in uh, in 1980. So this one taken away. There was also the creation on uh, of a flat tax on on revenues from the capital. So it was generally speaking a way to lower uh, taxation of. Um, taxation of capital uh, and there was also a lot of uh, of redistribution uh, towards uh, towards private businesses um, um, so for example macron uh, made permanent uh, subvention that had been created by the, by the socialists but uh, it's called the the research credit so you, normally it is supposed to to help businesses invest in research and development but it's usually used for anything but, because there is no control around this. This is uh, for a cost of 20 billion of euros a year, uh, adding uh, 150 billion of yearly subvention to the private sector. So this is really massive. We're talking 
a lot of money that is mostly given to private uh, to do to you know what the companies. budget of uh, of the education or of the primary education system the whole budget of education in france is 42 billion a year 42 billion yes okay. for, for, to... for for the whole of the the education system up until, up until secondary no, no up until so secondary. secondary so so that 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 will give us a bit of a of an of a context no because uh, i think that when when we talk 150 billion 200 billion th i i kind of the only thing that comes to my brain is like that sounds like a lot but i don't have uh, an order of magnitude no so i think it's useful to say so 42 billion for the whole education for the budget education. and uh, so just the research credit is 20 billion okay. and the subventions to diverse subventions or or tax uh, tax credit to private businesses is 150 billion a year okay well there there it will be interesting to know a bit the, the split of that but uh, but nevertheless because yeah, no, no, at course. the end I, I, when when macron started And me coming from a world of entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. you know, and so on, I thought that well, he spoke English, which is uh, good for a change. Right? Yeah, that's and definitely that's okay. Yeah, one point, <laughs> I'll give it. And he spoke a lot uh, about entrepreneurship, and he spoke a lot about innovation in a language that sounded rather. Uh, familiar and positive from the from the the world that i had been uh, coming from no in the in in entrepreneurship because it's true that there's a lot of uh, um jumping hoops and a lot of the the 12 trials of asterix no when when mm. you're when you're trying to run your own uh, your own company or to start something Uh, especially when you're doing it without a lot of means and you're just uh, you just have a lot of will to to just to make a, to make a living and to and to try to create something for your own uh, the administrative burden and the, the 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 prices that you have to even when you're a solo a, a solo um, uh, entrepreneur the the price that you have to invest and the the, the cost of just keeping a company alive As you've known from me having a company, uh, having a company that didn't make any money for for some time, uh, it's just it's just ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, that, that that's a very good point. That there are indeed in France uh, as well a lot of barriers to to entrepreneurship, and and I would say in that re in that regard, uh, um, President Macron's policy are very popular with the uh, startup entrepreneurs and the French tech. But it's still uh, the most evaluation shows that uh, Macron's economic policy might be good somehow for entrepreneurship, but still mostly benefits uh, the biggest companies that are already very well established because the, the system of public subvention and uh, and public contracts uh, still benefits the biggest uh, the biggest players. So that's uh, that, that's something to to keep in mind. Um, so, what has been the big, uh, the big um, issues where Macron has uh, has backstabbed a part of his initial electorate? Um, so, where we could 
Yeah, let, let, let's start with the, with the uh, exemplary politics, because so remember Macron was elected in a context of, uh, of political financial embezzlement scandal. And, uh, and one of his promises was to, uh, was to reform politics, to make the political system more democratic, to make sure that there would be less abuse of, of public funds. And, uh, and it is true that a new law uh, of control was created. So, for example, it forgot, uh, it, it uh, forbids parliament members from hiring their own family and there would be more control, <laughs> more control over their spending. Yeah, obviously. Um, but this didn't prevent the, the, the Macronist and especially Macronist parliament member to be embroiled in quite a lot of scandal, especially in, uh, in, public, in public funding. Uh, you had a couple of uh, harassment cases, uh, including... including well, you have the, the, the wonderful secretary for pensions or whatever, that, 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 that deserves its own yeah, so program, the, but we'll, so, yeah, it was found, we need to touch uh, Yeah, it was found out that the Secretary for Pensions uh, was, uh, was a member of 13 executive boards, including uh, insurance companies. So there, there was a clear conflict of interest, and there has been a number of cases for, uh, for conflict of interest. Uh, can we... But can we... The, the, the first... Uh, I, I would just like to mention the first very big scandal that that shook the the macron uh, presidency so it was in uh, in summer of 2018 what was called the um, the benalla uh, scandal so in the in the first may of 2018 is that the lobster scandal oh no that's not the lobster scandal <laughs> we, we can take oh yeah we, we we can mention this one but what was seen is that uh there was uh, a video of, uh, of police violence uh, that was taken during the, the 1st of May with a guy dressed as a policeman uh, hitting, on, uh, hitting on some, uh, some young people that, uh, that were just uh, part, of the, part of the protest. And, um, with the Yellow Vest protest? Uh, uh, no, that was before the Yellow Vest. The Yellow Vest started at the end of 2018. So again, we, it's uh, summer of 2018, so we're still more or less in the honeymoon phase. But then it was found out that this guy was actually not a policeman. He was a special uh, counselor of the president who had been charged in charge of his personal security. Uh, that was not part of any official, uh, official uh, structure that he... Yeah, he, he was a sort of gray eminence, a sort of, uh, of shadow, of shadow uh, counselor figure. And, um, and he had been beating up people under a police, uh, under a police uh, uniform. So officially, he was just here with the police to observe. It's uh, super bizarre. No? Yeah, no, no. It's but just for fun or... Yeah, yeah. The, the story is that he was just there to observe the police and to see how they were managing and then that he lost it and started to, to get physically involved <laughs> and, to, and to beat up people. Uh, so, it was, so it was a massive scandal because then it was found out that this same guy, uh, Alexandre Benalla, was using his position uh, close to the president to do a lot of very shady business dealing for which he got a lot of commission money, that uh, he had a couple of diplomatic passports that he was also using to travel a lot and do a lot of, a lot of shady business and, and, what and, the hell? and, and, and take advantage of, uh, of the fact that he was close to, that he was <laughs> close to the president. Know. Yeah, they, they, this one didn't go out a lot, but but it was a massive scandal because there, there was this guy and he was uh, he was twenty five or twenty eight, so very very young uh, private counselor of entrepreneurial. The 
yeah, entrepreneurial, definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, but th this was the first big scandal and something that uh, and something that really stayed. And, and it was one of the first of what is called the little sentences of Macron, because one of the issues was also that he's he's been at times very arrogant and and saying a lot no. of uh, yeah a, a lot of very spiteful and. Uh, and so he was attacked a lot around this uh, this Benalla case. And during a press conference, he said, uh, he said, uh, we we now have a press that is not uh, that is not looking for the truth. And uh, and and there's been so many attacks. But if you if you want the person uh, the response uh, the responsible party, it is standing there in front of you. Come and get him. Um, so. So that and and this one was very shocking because he was very sure of his impunity. Uh, in France, uh, French presidents have uh, have judicial immunity for the for their whole term in power. Mm -hmm. So saying that, come and get me when he knows that he has complete immunity was <laughs> a very provocative statement. And 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 this sentence became a rallying cry because when the gilets jaunes crisis <laughs> started at the end of the year. Uh, we're coming to get you was on all the placards saying that uh, we're coming to we're coming to get you. So this provocative sentence really blew in Macron in Macron's face. And uh, and at the beginning of the gilets jaunes crisis, at some point the gilets jaunes were very close to trying to the yellow vests. The, that's uh, yeah, that's the, the, the yellow yeah, vest moment. The yellow vest and and beginning of December, he got really really scared that they were actually going to try to to invade so the, to invade the presidential palace. Let's let's stop a bit uh, around the yellow vest uh, the the yellow vest movement. No? Yeah, absolutely. I think from an international perspective, uh, it's been there's been a lot of stress on how uh, the yellow vest were a reactionary was a how the Yellow Vest was a reactionary movement against carbon tax on the fuel, on the fuel, on the fuel sector, no, or, or on fuels, mm -hmm. on 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 carbon-based fuels. But as I've learned through you and through some of the the the, the documentary, the documentary we watch on on the topic, it was a very transversal. So yeah, so it was a very transversal movement that was basically uniting or, or becoming a catalyst for uh, people from very different um, places, but most of them the disenfranchised uh, population that, uh, that is uh, kind of running from shortened contract to shortened contract, that is having a below 1,000 euros uh, salary, uh, and with a lot of instability, and that, and that, these parts of the population has been, let's say, more and more uh, disenfranchised over the last decades. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's that, that's a very good summary. So that, there was this misconception with the yellow vest that it was a reactionary anti uh, anti ecological movement. I first thought that it was uh, that it was. Uh, Marine Le Pen's uh, uh, Front National adjacent uh, movement, and that's been also in the international me media. Yeah, which which makes sense because the spark was indeed uh, taxation on fuel. And as you said, what we're talking about with the yellow vest is the small middle class or disenfranchised class, which uh, with with quite a lot of very small entrepreneurs, act actually, or or small employees 
who have to drive, uh, who live in disenfranchised area, who need their car, who drive a lot, and for whom taxation on uh, taxation on gas is uh, is a huge um, is a huge spending each month, and and the smallest variation in gas prices can uh, can be a catastrophe at the end of the at the end of the month at the mo- of the month. So. The and the development of the of the yellow vest movement uh, so from um the international media let's say it's been there's i, I don't remember exactly no but there, there wasn't there was a bit of tension but just the attention that you pay to a french movement of yeah the french you know how the french are <laughs> the french they do this uh, these protests and they keep entrenching their protests and there are there are some some radical segments of the french population and you know that's uh, the cost of doing business with them well we do have a, a huge tradition of protest and demonstration in france but what's interesting with the yellow vest is that it came from a movement of part of the population, as I said, the popular classes in France were mostly depoliticized, not voting a lot, uh, part of this population voting uh, Front National, but not the majority. And suddenly there was a repolitization of the popular classes around this issue, around around the issue of, uh, of financial struggle. So again, we're talking very small middle class or uh, so not the poorest of the poor but people who the the working poor so people who have a job Hmm. but who sometimes need to have two jobs need to run from people that have been in temporary agencies no with with these new regulations of yeah i only work for the same company but i work through a temporary agency or as a freelancer or uh, as it happens with flight stewards no i get uh, hired six months i get fired uh, three months and then they rehired me and so on and so yeah forth, exactly right? so uh, and so the core of their protest was their financial struggle and especially inflation because one of the reasons why this population are struggling more and more is inflation of basic necessities food uh, food gas energy rent rent have also the, the cost of rent or uh, or the housing market has also exploded in France so that's that's another burden so this very small small middle class uh, em- employee working a working class but what that, was that these was... people complaining about while france was just f- blooming into a new entrepreneurial uh, self yes it was well uh, a huge rallying cry of the yellow vest what that they were the, those people were the the losers of globalization so people for hmm. whom uh, for whom economic growth and entrepreneurial growth was uh, was out of reach and, so in, uh, in some in some way we could connect this uh, this movement or this um, this disenfranchisement with similar similar uh, populations that have been uh, weaponized in different in different uh, areas no in uh, in the states through the, the the tea party and the and the the bernie bros as well but there's a bit of that but uh, but mostly by the trumpians no and in this in england by the brexit brexiters yeah that's that's correct weaponized i'm not yes. saying i'm not saying that that this is the nature of this of these populations but that they've been that they've been uh, very much uh, catalyzed into a, into a political into a political movement but in France it wasn't a politi- so much a no. political movement but it was a manifestation of 
the actual disenfranchisement, right? Yes, it was a protest exactly, against because, this. Exactly, uh, because also one of the misconceptions about the Yellow Vest was that it was a far-right movement because, because there were in the Yellow Vest some people that were far-right and, um, and they were highly mediatized. But most of the people in the Yellow Vest were people who would be disenfranchised also for politics, so people who don't vote anymore because they do not believe that uh, that the current political system could change anything to their situation, and, and not without reason. Uh, I and in say. the middle of the Yellow Vest movement, Macron announces that France, to save France, we need to change the pension system. Yes, so it was it was actually towards the tail end of the Yellow Vest. So the Yellow Vest movement lasted almost all of a year. So it was uh, end of 2019. It started With in people living in different in, in settlements as well. No, it was a bit of a or part of the of the of the movement was uh, living in demonstration settlements. Yes, exactly. They were building, uh, building these sort of demonstration spots uh, all, all over France, and there were huge protests every week, and they lasted through most of uh, through most of 2019. Uh, it started dying down by the end of the of the summer 2019, but uh, but yeah, but very soon afterwards, so in uh, end of 2019. Uh, Emmanuel Macron decided on uh, wanted to go through with the pension reform. Um, and what was the age that he wanted to? Uh, so, get so currently he's pushing towards uh, sixty-five. Uh, but back then, uh, I think sixty-five. Yeah, as yeah well? I think it was already sixty because we're, we're already at sixty-two uh, currently. Uh, okay. Officially, uh, and and the important thing so. This is a very long following the Swedish model. Yeah, th this is a very long conversation, but the the gist of it is that all independent financial institution in in France say that it is not necessary to reform the the pension system that it's going to get uh, to get uh, in a financial balance within a within a couple of uh, of decades uh, that we have enough to finance the French pensions. So, so there is a whole discoursing that we need to reform the pension and we need to work longer because otherwise uh, there's going to be a deficit. Uh, this is wrong. This, this has been debunked very thoroughly. The, the core motivation behind the pension reform is just to save money and, and cut state funding. Well, Amor, I think we need to wrap up this, uh, this uh, second part. Uh, without a resolution about uh, Macron, Macron's hair. Uh, but we can start this, the, the next segment talking a bit more about how it was perceived, what were the scandals around the pension reform, because those are, those are big. It's a big issue, definitely. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.